Welcome to the Dream Living Podcast, the podcast for those who want to achieve phenomenal results in their life, career, and business. Now, here's your host, Angela Spears. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dream Living Podcast. This is Angela Spears, your host and Dream Living Coach. And first of all, thanks for continuing to join and listen to our podcast. We are continually focusing on career, and we are in the midst of a series of our focus on career. And um, I have Lisa Cambridge Mitchell back with us, and I'll recap what we spoke about, but I'll introduce her first. So Lisa, as a reminder, if you haven't been listening, I just want to let you know who Lisa is. She's a personal development coach, leadership consultant, and she helps creative-minded professionals overcome stress and overwhelm to create joy in their personal lives and success and meaning in their professional lives. So that's a part of what she does. And she is going to continue our series on career. So the first episode we talked about was the trauma of being laid off. The second in this series was getting unstuck and moving on in your career. The third part was managing imposter syndrome during your job search. And today we're going to discuss navigating a career change and uh, really talk about how we manage change in our lives better, knowing that change is inevitable. So without further ado, I want to say hello to Lisa. Welcome again to the Dream Living Podcast. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me again. I love our conversations. This is just, it's fantastic. Thank you so much. And hello, everybody. Um, Thank you for tuning in for this. I think um, we've covered so much ground in the last three interviews. I'm really excited to uh, get through this one and, and cover even more. Yeah, I am too. I've shared in previous episodes that I too have enjoyed these conversations. They have been therapeutic to me. I don't know. I just feel like a lot of what we're talking about, even though I'm not, I did just get a, have a job change, but um, I feel like it applies more to other areas of change in my life. Some of those things that you have been sharing. And I just want to let our audience know if you've dealt with trauma or change in your personal life, even if it's not career related, I think that these tips that Lisa has shared during this series will be helpful to you. They certainly have been helpful to me. So I appreciate having you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So we know, Lisa, that change is never easy. But when you think about this day and age, many studies have shown that people will have more jobs and career changes over their lifetimes than ever before, meaning People pivot in their careers often. (laughs) I think I read somewhere people will pivot in their careers eight to nine times in their lifetime. And that's not traditionally how it's been in the past. This is especially true for millennials from some of the research that I've I've done but it also applies across generations. It doesn't matter if you're a baby boomer, (laughs) what generation you're in, that change, that pivot is going to happen in your career. But studies also show, Lisa, and I know you know this, that most people don't like change. So Mm -hmm. my question to you is how should a person prepare to navigate a career change? Because change isn't fun. I'm going through change in my life right now, and I can't say that it's fun. I'm not embracing it. (laughs) So how do we prepare to navigate a career change in particular? What are your thoughts? Um, You know, it's funny. Like, I, 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 
I always struggle with uh, with this because I love change. Like I'm definitely the person, I don't believe in blowing things up, but I am a person that I, I probably have a good four-year cycle before I need a major change, whether it's moving or um, in the past, a career, like just different things. So I, it's funny. I, it's not so much that I even embrace change. I feel like I need it I, to keep myself kind of motivated in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there there are a couple of things. One of one of the things that that as you were um, as you were talking, and I was I wrote myself a quick note, and I wanted to to bring up two things. One is that we're I think what we're seeing is that people are living in general. People are living more holistically, and. What that means to me is you're you're encompassing your career, your life, your interests, like everything is coming together to kind of potentially make life a lot more fulfilling and a lot more rewarding. Mm. Um, I and I feel like that's something that that millennials in particular have pioneered and really pushed for a holistic life. Um, where it, and I want to also clarify, I don't mean balanced because I think balance, I'm not a person that believes in, even in my, my practice, I'm always very kind of hesitant to talk about work-life balance because I do think that it implies that there's some kind of give and take push and pull that, you know, (laughs) allows you to like take from one area to benefit another area. I tend to look at it as, um, being like, I always say like life is like a sphere, Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes you're, sometimes it's a little bit more full of work. Sometimes it's a little bit more full of personal, um, you know, aspects of life. But the, the biggest thing to me is how do you live a life that really, A, lives up to your value system, right? So that you're looking in the mirror and you're comfortable with everything. Um, you're comfortable with yourself, but also that that gives you this sense of adventure. You know, life is meant to be lived. And I really believe firmly in, you know, that nature requires change. You know, with nature, it's either you grow or you die, right? Mm, so yeah. it becomes this concept of how much, how do you embrace growth when you start thinking about your career? And this, the, so that the first thing, like I said, that was two things. One was the holistic part, which is what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And the other is I would challenge people to look at their career. You know, when you've been with a company for 10 years, 15 years, if you've had any advancement, then you've pivoted within that company, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, the, at, at a key growth point in my career, I entered a company as a publicist. I transitioned into international marketing. I tra- then I transitioned into domestic marketing, and then I took over the marketing department. So, you know, those were career shifts. They just happened to be within the same company, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think that it's really important to when you start thinking about these the, these opportunities to have multiple careers. Um, it's it's new. And, you know, to your point, it's very new in a lot of ways to our society. But when you look at the CEOs of companies who say, I started out in the mailroom, you know, like they pivoted within the company. So sometimes your growth is going to happen within the company. And sometimes your growth is going to happen outside the company, you know, and I think we have to be willing to, to accept that and lean into it and always look for, for opportunities um, in that sense. Love that. So it's, it's what I'm taking away from what you said is 
really think about your perception of change. Change doesn't yeah. have to be so this big, major, abrupt thing. <laughs> and when you think about your whole list, you know, think about your career from a holistic perspective, it could be embracing the change from um, really, uh, like you said, focus on your career, career, career versus focus on your personal life versus moving up within a company. That's also an example of change. Right. Um, so it's like a mind shift about what change is and, and, and really having that attitude where we embrace change more. It doesn't have to be, oh my God, <laughs> this yeah, big change is coming. It doesn't have to be a scary monster. It doesn't have to be a scary monster. We are all in some form of transition at all times. Like, so change is constant. Exactly. I love that. And um, I'm trying to think, I had taken one more note. There was one more thing I wanted to say about that. Hold on. This is what I was going to say. Look at it more like an adventure. I couldn't read my writing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look, at, look, at, <laughs> look at change as, as like an adventure. And I think we talked a little bit about this the last time where I had mentioned you should always be thinking about your career and how it's evolving. And I think I also mentioned that I'm very future oriented. I get to one step and I'm already 10 steps ahead. And, and sometimes it's a blessing. Sometimes it's a curse because <laughs> yes. thinking too far ahead, you're not in the present. And then you're like, well, how's all this going to work out? And it can create anxiety. <laughs> so it's not yes. the best thing always. But uh, for me, I'm always thinking about what's next. I'm always thinking about, you know, networking. And, and I think I had mentioned that, you know, when recruiters reach out to me, I'll entertain the conversation just because I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about potential networking opportunities because you don't know where your career will take you. You don't know what will happen in your career. So it's always also being prepared for change yes, by networking and thinking true. about those next steps. So that's another way to think about navigating a career change. I think it's I think it's interesting because you know, and we talked about this before, because when you talk about being prepared, one of the things that I, I wasn't wired this way, I don't, I don't know if this is, I, I can't say if this is like generational or new, but when I started out my career, I didn't necessarily see it this way. And I wish I had that. I, I think it's so important to focus on your skill set, which we've talked about before, like your skill set and what you do and how it kind of builds out how you, what, what your contribution is as a person. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that there was a time for me where, you know, I, I always, I was, I was what I would call the consummate com company girl. You know what I mean? Like I was like, always, I would tow the company line. Um, I would absolutely protect the company. Like that was just how I was wired. And it benefited me when I was with companies that reflected my values. Mm -hmm. But when I was in with companies that were like, didn't, you know, there wasn't as much overlap in my value system, I would struggle, you know, and I would feel really kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. Like I don't like, and it, and it became a physical feeling. Like you just feel like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, so I think this idea of understanding, like if you're a marketing exec executive or if you're a sales executive, that that follows you regardless of where you are and how you talk about it and how you present it. And I know we we did speak about that before, but I can't say enough about it, about being understanding how to talk about yourself yes. so that what you're saying makes sense, you know? Right, right. 
think about it from, let's think about it from two, from this perspective, the person who has been laid off, who didn't see it coming, who's in a situation where they have to pivot in their career because things have changed so much in the midst of COVID that the thing that they did before is not even available anymore. So mm-hmm. how does, what do you think is, um, is there any additional mindset work somebody somebody might have to do to navigate a change in that situation? Because I can imagine that would be difficult. Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, it's interesting because I think that you know, the scary thing to me, even when you say it, like I can feel the tension in my, in my own spirit of like, of losing something that, that was there. Right. So, so to your point, like the job, the, the, the career, the type of work they did no longer exists. Um, I feel like what I've seen time and time again with a lot of my clients that, that have been in similar situations that fortunately, you know, knock wood, no one's been in that situation during COVID, but, um, people have been in similar situations. What I've always kind of encouraged them to do is to look to that thing that they always wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in a, like, I was an attorney and now I want to be, you know, a potter. I'm not talking about it. Okay. I mean, that's fine too, (laughs) but you know, I was, I was an attorney, but this, but, but maybe there was this one part of my career that I really took a lot more joy from than, than another. Right. And that was, that's honestly how I made the pivot into coaching that mm-hmm. I really liked working in artist development, which was basically getting artists really just to, to find themselves and understand what made them great and, and how to make the most of it and how to amplify um, what motivated them, inspired them. And so it's kind of like, I find now that I'm doing the same thing. It just isn't in entertainment, you know, but then it is because a lot of my, my clients are out in entertainment, entertainment business. So I think it's looking at those adjacent opportunities, um, to the things that you enjoy doing in in your, in your main career, you know, so if that, if, if the actual, if that actual industry has shifted so much that, that there is no opportunity for you to do the thing that you have enjoyed doing, that it starts looking, you start looking at the, the adjacent, you know, um, yeah. I had a career that was an event. I mean, a career, I had a client rather that was an event planner. This was a few years ago mm-hmm. who really just reached a point. I mean, and this was like a stellar event planner did all of the parties, like, you know, the kind of parties you'd see in the, in people magazine and things like that. Mm. And he reached a point where he was just like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this anymore. And he had mm-hmm. his reasons. Um, and what he ended up doing was just decor. He's like, I just want to come in and make it fabulous and leave. I don't want to deal mm-hmm. with your guest list. I don't want to deal with, you know, when invitations are going to be ready. I just want to come in, make a beautiful space, you know, help with the theme and then walk away. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind of what I mean, like zeroing in on what's that one part that's re- that you're really passionate about and how can you reach out to your network to say, you know, Hey, you guys, this is what I'm focused on right now. Like, do you, you know, do you need somebody who you must become almost hyper-focused on, yep. do, you, do you need someone in your organization or do you need someone, if you're going to go the entrepreneurial route, you know, do you need someone who does this one thing and this one thing really well? Mm-hmm. And, and people don't do that anymore. You know, that's like my biggest complaint with mechanics right now. Like, I'm always like, oh, nobody can fix a car. <laughs> because <laughs> they don't they are, they know how to like use the computer like they don't know they don't know what the car should sound like <laughs> right <laughs> for another day 
that's for another day. Yeah. But I think it's that. And um, the other thing I would bring up um, is, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of people that will kind of take that thing that's their hobby and start looking to it for career fulfillment. And <laughs> I think I always say to be cautious of that. It's, it's not a bad thing, but to be cautious of it, because what may give you joy as a hobby may not be joyful as a grind, may not be joyful as a way that you make money, you know? Yeah. So to really be mindful of that, I, I've had that happen with a few clients where they, you know, they were ready to kind of go full force into a hobby mm-hmm. um, and then realized, oh, wait, I actually liked it better when it was a hobby. Right, right. Because when it could becomes a grind to your point, it it may not be as fun <laughs> as it was. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. That's why I think working with a coach can help when you're ha- when you're struggling to figure out what that next thing is. But I love what you said, hone in on your passion. What is it that really brings you joy and how can you use that to solve a problem in the market today? What does that look like in the terms of a job or maybe a business, maybe you're a consultant? It's all about using your skills, your passions to solve a problem. And if you can look at it that way and then take some of the advice you said, network to talk about what that passion is, what it is you really want to hone in on, that's going to help you to navigate a change when you're in a situation where you've been laid off. You also might have to have really practice a growth mindset and apply your skills in a different way. Like you said, um, your friend was an event planner. Um, I've connected with event planners and obviously event planning has tremendously changed since COVID. I mean, Mm -hmm. you went, you went from events all over the place to none at all. to now people are having more events, but they're having hybrid events where they have fewer people in person. And then some people that join virtually, well, why not use your love of event planning to learn about this new way of doing things and apply it in that way? Um, Let's say you love creativity. Well, that's an opportunity to be creative. How do you make a conference experience amazing in this mm-hmm. new situation <laughs> that that would require, require some creativity so exactly. that's just an example and and don't be so stuck on what was focus on what what's possible for the future is what i would right. say add to that well, and we i don't know if we talked about this but the, the 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 key one of the big 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 keys to facing change and thriving during change is focusing on the benefit of the change, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you, you know, to, to what you just said, like being, if you're holding on to the past too hard and you're too attached to the, the, the things that were in the, that, that were happening for you a year ago, that were happening for you pre-COVID and waiting for things to go back the way they were, mm-hmm. um, things never go back the way they were. I mean, that's just not how like no. works, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it becomes this thing of like, what would be the benefit of me making this pivot? What, what, how can I, like, how, how can I win? How can my business win? How can another company win? Like, what would be the real benefit? And one of the things I find that's, that's really difficult. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't remember if we covered this, that there was years ago, I was, I was laid off and part of my package included this, um, I'll air quote leadership, um, program that was not a leadership program at all. And, <laughs> and, and it was the, it was, it was designed air quotes for people who had been laid off. And okay. so it was a room of about maybe probably 20 to 30 of us. 
And I went to two sessions before I kind of tapped out because the entire conversation was built in the past. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. was talking about kind of, they were still dealing with the trauma in a way that wasn't allowing the group to move forward because no one could kind of see the benefit of like, oh, wait, here's an opportunity. Like Mm -hmm. change is an opportunity. And when you can really face the change from that perspective, that mindset shift of an opportunity, then you start looking a little bit more expansively. Um, you know, and I would challenge that when you start, when you start really kind of, when you're experiencing this kind of change to have a real clear vision for where you want to go yeah, and, and it needs to include money. You know, I think, yeah. I think all of this, like one of the things that I, I, I constantly push back on with my clients is I'm like, what's the number. And I've had clients that I've had, I mean, honestly, two sessions before I could get them to answer that question because they'll say, well, it's not really about money. Well, really? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and and it's not, and I, and I understand like money means different things to different people, but I would challenge that when you're in this situation where you, you know, you're, you're reworking your career, you're pivoting, really have an honest heart to heart, like analysis of where you are financially and where you want to go and attach real numbers to it because you may find, um, you know, when I started my business, one of the biggest things that was like, oh, this is great was that I could make less money and still do the same things mm-hmm. because I didn't have a commute or because I didn't, you know, I didn't have to pay for lunch in the city every day. So some of those, those realities, like you want to be connected to them and you want to know what that number is, because if you have a clear sense of what it takes for you to maintain or or shift your lifestyle, like whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you know what that number is, you can attack it very differently. And this, mm-hmm. there's so much opportunity in this, um, in this age of careers because you can freelance and you can, yes. you know, there's so many different ways to make money. So yes. know how much money you want to make and mm-hmm. set some real goals, like set some real, like, this is what it's going to take. Right. I think you make a good point there because when you, we, we're talking about navigating a career change, but I think it's about thinking differently about your career. It doesn't always have to be about your nine to five. Yeah, I, ha- I have a nine to five and I have a business and I have other streams of income. You know, I'm a professor. I teach. I <laughs> Because oh, those I are the things that I enjoy doing. Yeah, I love to teach. Um, my husband teaches as well. And, um, you know, our careers are multifaceted. Now we're about to get into real estate. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like that. It's And I love what you said earlier about holistically, what is your career? What does that mean? It's not just about your nine to five. It's like, take a step back, think strategically about, like you said, hone in on what you're passionate about. The money part is important too, right? Mm -hmm. So how can I hone in on these passions of mine to make money in in the way that I want to? For, For me, it's having those multiple streams, of income and, and, and executing my passions in different ways. I'm not teaching at a college is different than directing uh, a, a function in a corporate America. <laughs> I might get opportunities to facilitate, but that's not the same as connecting with college students and teaching and make a, dif- a difference because that's something I really love to do. 
I also like to make money (laughs) and I also like to connect with people too. So hence the reason real estate is another part of our career portfolio, if you will. So uh, my husband and I have that together. You know, he's also a professor. He also works at a university. So it's like, what's your vision and how does your career fit into your vision? And that's another way to think about your career um, and how it can evolve and change. I mean, mine is constantly evolving. Um, So that's, that's just something to consider as well. I love that. I love that. And I love the idea. I think you and I, you and I have been talking about this other coach that we both follow and and love. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, you know, one of the things that I have really honed in on um, that she talks about is hiring people. Yes. Um, And I, I found like, you know, so if you're, if you're, if you're trying to figure out how to make the most of time, understand that time is finite for all of us. Yes. (laughs) So what is the best use of your time? Right. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I decided long when I got married, actually, I decided, oh, I was not spending my time cleaning up after anybody. So we've always had someone clean our house. I never did that Mm -hmm. as a single person. It just was something that, and I didn't grow up, you know, my mom, we never had somebody clean our house. So it was a big leap for me to do that. But when I started looking at it through the lens of like, well, wait, you know, someone comes every two weeks and cleans my house so that I don't have to, I can translate that into my business as an entrepreneur, realizing that there are things that I spend an enormous amount of time doing that I probably don't do as well as someone else would. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's like like doing your resume. Exactly. Exactly. That that extends to doing your resume. That extends to your LinkedIn profile. That extends to so many things that Getting in a your coach. career search, getting a coach, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That in your career search, search, realizing like, what part of this do I maybe need some help with? You know, right. And again, to to having that vision for your career, you may need help. Again, I really believe in co- coaching, and not because mm-hmm. I'm a coach, not because Lisa's a coach, but I have coaches in my life as well. I have three coaches in my life right now, and I've had coaches. Throughout my life, even from the time I was a teenager, when I didn't even know it, I had a coach mm-hmm. and my brother who was helping me really figure out my career. Um, so don't don't underestimate the value of asking for help. And so going Absolutely. back to career and navigating a career change again, career, I just want to bring up career paths are no longer linear either. So don't think that career is all about moving up. Sometimes it mm. might be, you know, take, taking on an experience that can help you to move up later. Um, I know sometimes there's been a stigma about millennials always wanting to move up and want, you know, they want things fast. But it's, it's really about those experiences that you have, um, that you engage in, in your job and your work that can help prepare you for those other opportunities. So I'll, don't always think about well, my promotion or this or that, because there's times when I've taken lateral moves that have been very helpful to me mm-hmm. uh, to move up eventually. And the, you, the people can never take away the experience that you gain um, from uh, a career experience, if you will. So that's that's another thing to think about. And I feel like I'm kind of all, all over the place, but this, is all, <laughs> this all has to do with navigating a career change. So um Again, most people, if you feel like 
Uh, you feel stuck in your career, know that you're not alone. Many are considering changing their career paths, function, or industry to it just today. I work with them all the time as my clients. Um, many have already had four or more full-time jobs in their lifetime. The average tenure in your career is about four to five years. Uh, the average worker going forward will have five to seven career changes. I think I said nine. I was able to pull up the direct information. Plus, when you think about the workplace, Greater automation means more change is predictive for many. So there'll be change in job structure and things like that. So as technology changes, the way we do work is constantly going to change. So I think embracing that as a reality, which is what you were saying earlier, is a part of, um, you know, successfully navigating change. Um and again, can like I, I said, I, up is up isn't the only way forward. Focus on your career experiences. So those are some other nuggets I just wanted to throw in there. And yes, go oh, ahead, yeah. Lisa. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just was like, oh, it's also, you know, when we're talking about the the about how companies are changing, the thing that is not changing, and this is, you know, this is I want to I want to say this and have you think about it expansively. The thing that's not changing is creativity right? Mm -hmm. And creativity is in every field. So creativity is not just in the arts creativity. You know, if you, if you are making widgets, there is a creativity to that industry, to any industry that you're in um, that offers a fresh approach. So even when I, when I say that I work with creative minded executives, it's not kind of just in a single industry, you know, you have entrepreneurs, you have people who just see the world a little bit differently. And that is what companies will always pay for, whether it's Mm -hmm. as an employee or as an independent um, consultant or whatever, freelance or whatever it is, that creativity is what companies will always turn to, to is, is a different to make a difference in, in how they do their business. Yes. And problem solving as Absolutely, well, because yes. making money and that's creativity and, and careers and all of that <laughs> business, that's all about solving problems for yes. someone. If you want to start a business, well, who are you solving a problem for and what are you solving? It's the same thing. It's, it's just the same different thing. areas, right? It's for a company versus for yourself and business or as a consultant. So that's, that's one thing to think about. Absolutely. So again, change is difficult at some, sometimes people see change as difficult. I think it depends on how the change comes along. If it's abrupt mm-hmm. and major, it's just like, ah, like, let's say, you know, your house burns down. That's a change. that's not so fun. I've been through that. <laughs> yeah, there's, so no, there's no like, <laughs> this is okay. This is a great opportunity. Because, yeah. <laughs> right. But why do you think change is so difficult for, for a lot of people? Uh, and especially with clients that you've worked with, what, what have you found? Well, I think that, you know, I think it's, I think as human beings, we're also just wired to be safe. Right. So I think what change, what change kind of will bring out is that fight or flight um, in, in how Mm -hmm. we are biologically wired. And I think change is something that um, it, it becomes unsettling when you take it personally. You know what I mean? I think with anything that one of the things that I, 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 and actually you were in this conversation when we were talking to um, my friend, Marissa, who, who has an, who, who is an HR that she said, you know, when a company has um, downsizing, it's because they're making a change 
in order mm-hmm. to get through a difficult time. Yeah. You know, so so it's also like understanding that that a lot of time when we take change personally, when we think that, you know, there's something that's happening to us that we miss the mark on what is actually going on. That if a company is failing or if a company if there's if there are problems, they're going to have to make those changes, those difficult changes. And you may be affected by them, you know, but do you want to stay on and be part of, you know, something that is ultimately not going to work out? Or do right. you want to kind of go on and move and take the, the and, and have the benefit of taking your experience with you um, on your own terms? You know, I don't, it's just, it's a hard one. It's a really, really hard one. Um, what I do find out find comes up for my clients, mostly when it comes to change is fear. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, they're afraid. Um, and what we t- spend a lot of time talking about is how their value system, right. And how it's like a combination of how their value system and how their, um, inner and outer blocks are allowing them to make choices mm-hmm. or to react. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we dig really deep into that idea of like, reacting in fear versus responding to a change, responding to the situation and deciding that this is how I'm going to approach it. And fear is natural, you know, so it's, it's understanding it and recognizing it and, uh, and knowing when you're making a fear-based move versus in, and if, you know, and you know, this from your training that fear-based moves are made generally in avoidance of something, right? Right. So this idea of like, are you, doing something in avoidance of a mm-hmm. consequence, a perceived consequence? Are you going to take the first job that's offered you because you're, you're kind of afraid? Yeah. Um, and I don't say don't take the job. I just say, well, understand why you're taking the job and decide if that's going to be your long-term solution. Mm-hmm. You know, So at, at every point, what I try to encourage with my clients is that at every single touch point, you have a choice to make. And I will never, um, you know, the, the the beauty of coaching and that that I've learned is that there's just no good or bad. There are opportunities. So yeah. if the opportunity presents itself for you to kind of squash that fear-based decision and just like, well, I'm just going to take this job so I can, you know, make some money. Just know that that's what you're doing mm-hmm. and decide what your next move is going to be. Yeah. Love that. So some of my takeaways that I heard from that is, um, you know, it's, again, we t- ask why is change difficult for so many. So how do you overcome that? So it's not so difficult. So don't take it personally. That's so true. It's like this happened to me. You know, that's mm-hmm. what we do. I've, I've done that. Uh, so don't take it personally. Look for the good in the situation and respond to the situation instead of, you know, responding in fear to avoid the situation is, is what I heard. Yeah. Um, and then look at it as an opportunity for something good. I know I recently had a change, an abrupt change that came on me <laughs> in my <laughs> life. And I was just like, oh my God. But now a week later, just a week later, um, I can see where it was good. It was a good change. And there's still a lot that I have to navigate to uh, get on the other side of this change, but I can still see the good in it. And I think we can do that in our careers as well. If we're laid off, if there's uh, changes that happen, you know, that weren't our decision, um, always look for the good, always look for the good. 
Um, and and, I, that's, and I, that can help you to navigate the change better. Absolutely. And it's also like this thing of really understanding like another time in your life when you faced some kind of unexpected change and how you got through it and kind of tapping into that is really important. Um, I always say like one of the, one of the kind of hallmarks of my personality is that I'm very calm. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't rattle easily. I don't, um, when I get angry, I actually get calmer, which is frightening for some people. (laughs) <laughs> um, I'm not a, I'm not a yeller and a screamer. I'm, I always say I'm a growler. <laughs> so, so it's like, I get very quiet when I get very upset. And, um, one of the things that, you know, I've, I've in I've been in situations professionally where people have said like, oh my gosh, like I love when a crisis comes up because you get so focused and so calm and you're never rattled. And sadly, what I always point out to people who have said that to me in the past is that's because at a very young age, I faced a lot of pain, a lot of like people dying in my life. There was some, you know, substance abuse that affected my childhood. So the way that I kind of almost approach everything is in a crisis, I'm like, well, nobody's going to die. So (laughs) we're going to figure this out. Right. So it's it's like, you know, I would be at work and people are freaking out and I'm in my mind, I'm like, well, nobody is going to die. So we will just make this work. Like, um, (laughs) And that tends to be, I, I don't know if it's a healthy measure, but that tends to be my measure that I'll just be like, well, I mean, why are we freaking out? Nobody's going to die. Like we right. got this, you know, like <laughs> we've got this, we can work, we can work through this. Um, right. And it's such a, it's kind of disturbing, but it's what carries me through and makes me calm under pretty much any situation. I mean, I don't, I can, I can't think of many places when I've really genuinely freaked out. I think I freaked out on my husband once during a, like a tornado. I was like, we've got to go <laughs> because somebody could die. <laughs> right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And again, it all is about how you take it in. So just to summarize what we talked about, you know, we're our topic today, navigating a career change. We acknowledge the change isn't always easy for, for many. Um, I, I tend to embrace change as well. Um, I get bored easily. (laughs) I do, especially in my career. But I think to your point, just to summarize what we said, take a holistic viewpoint, really consider the grand scheme of things when it comes to change, whether it's forced upon you or not. Look at it like an adventure. Look at for the opportunity in the situation. Uh, And that really forces you to think about your perception of the change. Really check your perception Lean into the change. You mentioned that earlier. Keep perspective. Is anybody going to die? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, really keep perspective and um, look for the good in the situation. Don't take it personally. Really check in because fear is really the common root of not liking change. So really check in with the fear and assess the situation and make choices, take your power back and respond to the situation instead of reacting. Reacting is just like, oh my God. Responding is, let's take this in. Okay, what's how strategically can I respond to this situation? So again, we can all talk about navigating a career change, you know, update your resume, network. We've already covered that. <laughs> I've covered navigating a career change from that perspective, but I wanted to cover it from the perspective of the mental work that has to be done, the mindset, the the um the deeper 
side of that as opposed to the tactical, because they both are important. And um, if you want to hear the more tactical of, of navigating a career change, listen to a previous episode where I covered all the tactical things that you want to do. This is more of the inner work you want to consider when it comes to successfully navigating a career change. So Lisa, is there anything else you wanted to add or any other tips you wanted to share about how to successfully navigate a career change? Um, I would like to add to to kind of what you said in in your you're so good at summarizing things. I love that. I'm not <laughs> always good that way. Um I want to add to it that the one thing, and I and I say this often, that one thing we know for sure is that high achieving people have a lot of help, right? They've got coaches, whether they're they're high achieving athletes or executives, they have coaches, they have therapists, they have people around them that you know help them be successful. Um, I saw something uh, recently on how deep Serena Williams travels. Mm -hmm. And when you kind of understand what it takes for her to be her best and what she needs in terms of support, um, it's mind blowing, right? So really be clear with about what the support is that you need and go after it and don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. So I think that's you know, I, I feel like that's something that I, I want to say out loud. Like there are, yeah. there's so many ways that you can find assistance and help and support. Um, and not all of it, it requires a lot of money. You know, there are a lot of free resources out there, depending on how, on, on what you're trying to do. There are a lot right. of free resources out there. There are, there are, there are a lot of free resources, but don't hesitate to invest in yourself because another thing that high achievers do is invest in their, in themselves mm-hmm. and invest in help for themselves. So there's one thing to get free resources, but when you invest in yourself, it takes that help to another level. And it also is quicker. <laughs> you mm-hmm. escalate quicker when you engage in help in that way. So speaking of help, Lisa, um, as I mentioned before, helps p- people uh, as a personal development coach. She helps people overcome stress and create joy in their personal lives and their professional lives. So how can people learn more about you? The best way is to go to persistenjoy.com. That is my website. It kind of covers a lot of ground in terms of my background and how I work with clients. And I am on social media. It's probably more for entertainment than anything else. <laughs> but um, it's persistenjoy.com. It's persistenjoy at Instagram. And I'm on LinkedIn as uh, Lisa Cambridge Mitchell. And I enjoy these kinds of conversations. So I'm always happy to engage. You know, if you if someone wants to reach out and, and have a conversation, I'm always open to having a conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for being with us. Um, again, dreamlivingcoach.com is where you can learn more about um, career coaching in particular. Um, I feel like I focus more on the tactical and Lisa focuses more on the internal. (laughs) I touch on that, but that's not my, my specialty. Um, But check Lisa out uh, for sure. If if you need help with overcoming stress and just finding more meaning in your life and getting unstuck, she is your person. Um, Again, thank you for listening. Thank you. Uh, This is the end of our series. We'll continue on. If 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 there's other topics, I I have to invite you back for specific topics. I will uh, (laughs) definitely invite you back. I'm going to miss these talks. But again, thank you so much for joining me in these conversations. They've been so helpful. um, Listeners, I hope they've been helpful to you. Lisa, until next time, thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye, everyone.